0: What's up, church? Clap it up. Come on, we can do better. (laughs) Sorry, I looked over at Lance and he has the best smile. Welcome to Highlight Church. Um, Man, 21-day fast is upon us. Um, For those of you who have been journeying personally with me over the past few years or year or so, Uh, You know that uh, I like to fast every January. Um, So we're going to talk about fasting uh, this morning. Uh Uh-oh. Let me get that up. Um, Is everyone okay this morning? Good. Are you warm? (laughs) Kind of chilly outside. Man, it's so good to see all your faces um, this morning. Uh, We're going to dive in. If you have your Bible, let's go to Mark chapter 2. Uh, Mark chapter 2, or uh, if you have your phone, you can open that up as well. Why don't you go ahead and greet your neighbor or your neighbors next to you, give them, give them a good hello or good morning or tell them you look good, do something. Go, go ahead and get up if there's no one next to you. We'll, we'll take about 30 seconds here. Show them some love, warm love. Praise God. go take it old school. (laughs) Yeah, man. Mark 2. So, before we get into the message, um, there's a verse, uh, Matthew 6, verse 33, where Jesus says, uh, to seek first the kingdom of God and uh, everything else will be added unto you. So, the reason we're embarking on a season of fasting and prayer uh, at the top of the year is because of that verse. We, we want to put God at the top of our year. We want to honor him. We want to stop our routine. We just want to kind of take a pause and just say, hey, God, we're going to open up our hearts for, for 21 days. And we're going to let you in. We're going to let you have your way. And um, just based on that verse, it's a powerful verse that Jesus said, if you put him first, Everything that you need will be given unto you. And so um, why not just for a season for 21 days, look to Jesus, allow him to come into our hearts and say, hey, 2017 is yours, God. And so uh, we're going to go to Mark chapter two. This is our main text. And we're going to see what the Lord has to say this morning. Mark chapter two, find your way down to verse 18. If you are in Luke, John, Ephesians, Galatians, Revelations, you have went too far, go back to your left. If you're seeing funny names like Habakkuk, Zephaniah, Zechariah, continue to move on over to your right. Luke, Mark 2, verse 18. Once, when John's disciples and uh, the Pharisees were fasting, some people came to Jesus and asked, why don't your disciples fast? like John's disciples and the Pharisees do. Let's pause for the cause for the sake of context. Um, John's ministry, John the Baptist, this was Jesus' older cousin, six months uh, his senior. Um, John the Baptist was called to pave the way for Jesus Christ to come on the scene. Um, His disciples fasted all the time because their ministry was a ministry of repentance Their message was, repent, repent, you've sinned, turn to God, Um, open up your hearts, the Messiah is here, the Messiah has come near, repent, turn to God. So they would fast a lot, all throughout the week. The Pharisees, on the other hand, they fasted every Monday and Thursday, every Monday and Thursday. They, They had it regimented, it was a routine for them. And so you have people coming to Jesus and, and, and if we can give you a little bit more context, right now Jesus is actually at a dinner party. He's actually eating, he's drinking, he's feasting, he's enjoying himself. And you have people questioning him about why don't you and your followers fast, like John the Baptist and the Pharisees. Right now in Israel, these are the three major religious groups. This cult that's following Christ, because that's what they thought he was, was a cult leader. John the Baptist, another cult, they thought. And then the Pharisees, who was like your modern day uh, spiritual leaders and and pastors and all that good stuff, rabbis. And so we're going to keep reading verse 19. Jesus replied, do wedding guests fast while celebrating with the groom? Of course not. They They can't fast while the groom is with them. But someday the groom will be taken away from them and then they will fast. I love Jesus. He doesn't always like directly answer your question. He always has to use some sort of analogy. Verse 21. Besides, who would patch old clothing with new cloth? For the new patch would shrink and rip away from the old cloth, leaving an even bigger tear than before. And no one puts new wine into old wineskins. For the wine would burst and the wineskins, the wine for the wine would burst the wineskins and the wine and the skins would be both. Lost. I love this part here. He says, New wine calls for new wine skins. Let's pray. Um, Father, give me the grace to uh, preach and teach this the way that you gave it to me during preparation. God, open up our hearts to receive what you have to say today. God, we believe that you have good plans for our lives and that you would like to transform us this morning. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 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 All right, so let's get to it. Let's do some work. You guys got your notepads, your phones, your pens. Um, If you've never fasted, it's going to be good. I know fasting can sound intimidating. Um, Not eating, oh my God. I'll only do that if I'm having surgery or blood work done, but Oh my God, 21 days, that's crazy. What are you talking about here? Are you talking about no food? Are you talking about no water, no juice, no liquid? Like, what's the deal? What's the stipulations? What do you want to do? I'm going to tell you. Just relax. I got you. Jesus' ministry was characterized by uh, good times, a lot of joy, because wherever Christ went, there was always a miracle happening. A life was being changed, or a husband was being brought back home. Uh, Wherever Jesus went, there was a huge crowd. So you may have had a Lazarus following him. And as a community, we know that Lazarus died. He was dead last week and he's following you now. Um, You know, may have been someone following him that was healed from leprosy or some sort of blood disease or cancer. So wherever he went, he drew a crowd and it was a good time. People love being around Jesus. Even if you weren't around Christ, even if you were not around Christ for the right reasons, you would have hung around him because he was entertaining to to be around. Um, You knew just something was going to happen. And so Jesus uses verse 19 through 20. He uses the analogy of wedding celebrations. And his answer to these individuals were, if the groom is around with his friends during a wedding celebration... Would they not eat? Because back in Israel at this time, wedding celebrations lasted for a week. So it was the ceremony, then it was the reception, then it was the reception, then it was the reception. We eat, drink, get up, sleep, eat, drink, get up, sleep for at least seven days. And um, rabbis during this time, even the Pharisees themselves said that joy was more important than observing religious rituals. So this question doesn't make a lot of sense to Christ. It's almost as if he's telling them what they already know. Like, what are you trying to ask me here? You, you know that this is how it works. You know that this is how it gets down. Well, they were jealous of Jesus because his ministry was a ministry of joy. If you went to a Pharisee synagogue or a rabbi synagogue in that day, You would have had all kinds of broken people in the crowd. Jesus would oftentimes enter a church or a synagogue, a Jewish synagogue, and he would heal people on the spot, people who had been broken for years going to the same church. And so they want to question his authority. They want to question his power. And they they want to tie him up to a requirement, a religious ritual. And they want to say, why don't you guys fast like we fast? Well, hey, if, if we fasted like y'all fasted, the people would still be broken and bound. But I'm introducing a new, a new deal, a new deal. And so um, Jesus is pretty much saying that while I'm here, there will be no fasting when I'm gone. There's going to be a reason to fast. Then he jumps into this, another analogy. This one always bothered me. I had to do some studying. He said, you don't put old clothing you don't put new clothing with with old cloth because if you do, a tear would occur. Now studying this, and this is interesting, he was talking about the clothing of the Pharisees, the religious leaders at the time. Um, Spiritual leaders and priests, they had to wear eight pieces of garments, Um, be it a a turban or the the breastplate or uh, the ephod, the linen ephod, which was all white, which was pretty much their underwear. It had to cover them. It meant purity. It represented purity because anytime you you would come before God to the temple, you had to have things to cover you and I because we're sinful. So these things were a substitution for our sinful nature. So we would have had to clean our bodies, put on these things. We would have would have had to work to clean ourselves, work to put on this clothing and work to enter into the presence of God. This is the old clothing, which represents works to get right with God. Okay. And so then we have, I think, around Colossians. I forget the verse. But Jesus is saying that the old clothing of works represented just that. Works to get right with God. So the Pharisees fasted Mondays and Thursdays. And they did this in order to get right with God. It was... Ritualistic. It was routine. It was okay. If I do this Monday and Thursday, God is gonna love me. If I go to church every Sunday, God is gonna love me. If I if I if I tithe every every Sunday, God is gonna love me. It was works, works, works. The only problem about our works of righteousness is that the Bible says that your righteousness, my righteousness, is as of fifty rags. Meaning that when God sees our good works outside of Christ, they do us no good. And so uh, Colossians says, through faith, you have been made right with Jesus because he's done all the work. Now it it goes on to say, put on Christ like new clothing. And simply because he's done all the work, now you can fast from a relational standpoint with God. Fasting is no longer a rigid requirement. When you become a Christian, it becomes an occasion to actually relate and connect with God on a much deeper level. Are we clear so far? I'm going to teach a lot because I've been talking to my team about how, you know, just in, in general, not, not just the area, but our generation. Um, we, we don't know a, a lot about fasting, Um, Some of us were forced to fast growing up. And so today it's like, ooh, no, we don't we don't want to fast. Or there's an experience curve. People want to fast, but they're afraid to fast. So we're going to walk through it with you. We're going to actually fast together. And there are a few things that are more powerful in life than corporate fast. And so the type of fasting when you become a, a believer is relevant to your life. Um, And it's filled with grace. Routine religious fasting is a detriment to your life because at that point it's based on a law. And the old covenant, which was based on the law, was done away with by Jesus Christ on the cross. And now you just have to simply say, Jesus, come into my heart. Now I want to fast because I want to know you more. I surrender. I want to know you more. I'll tell you this because I'm your pastor. Um, we Today is day one of the fast. I'm currently fasting. I know specifically my wife and I are doing all water today. One of the main things that fasting will do is humble you. It's humble you. And that's an amazing thing because the Bible says, humble yourself under the mighty hand of God, and in due time, he will lift you up. He'll bless you. He'll use you. He'll set you free. He'll deliver you. He'll give you more influence. Jesus even said this. He said, if you want to be great, you become servant of all. One of the greatest ways to receive the heart of a servant is to humble yourself. And to understand what hungry people go through. To understand what it means to wake up 530 a.m. in the morning and set up a church so that people could encounter Jesus Christ. And receive the word from God, the word of God. To simply serve is a powerful thing. Wine. He goes on to talk about wine. Wine in the scripture represents sweetness, joy, and the abundance of God's blessing. Wine. The wine skin symbolizes someone's heart. And so he goes on to say this in the verse. He says, no one puts new wine into old wineskins for the wine would burst the wineskins. So you can't put a system that's based on faith and relationship into a container that's based on religion and routine. You can't put a system that's based on grace and forgiveness in relationship into a system that's based on separation and a requirement in order to get close to me. I'm doing something new. This is what he's telling to the people. And then he goes on to say this here. And the skins would both, the, the wine and the skins would both be lost. The new wine calls for new wine skins. Wine skins represent hearts that are waiting and ready to receive a fresh joy Fresh breakthrough, a fresh power, a new strength, a new beginning in the Lord. Hearts that are ready. Interesting thing about wine is that it goes through a process called ferm- fermentation. Fermentation, And through uh, chemical reactions, uh, the gases cause the container to expand. This is why we put wine in glass bottles, because the older it is, the better it is. That glass isn't going to expand, but it's still going under the the chemical process. Back then, they had wineskins that would expand as the wine became better. And so during this fast, if you're going to be a participant in this fast, if God is going to send you wine, if his spirit is going to release joy and power and sweetness into your life, you're going to have to be ready to Stretch during these twenty-one days. This is the title of our, our sermon series. If you're going to wake up with us on the prayer call, five thirty a.m., we got a prayer call five thirty a.m. during this this twenty-one days. That's a stretch for some of you. Some of you, even myself, I don't wake up that early in the morning every day to pray, but I'm willing to stretch. This is our 21 day devotional straight out of this house. Get it in your life when you leave here. Um, Some of you are going to be at work. And you're going to say, hey, I'm going to fast and I'm going to try this thing out. 12, 1, 2 p.m. You're going to want to eat. The Holy Spirit is going to tell you to stretch. Because Jesus said that man does not live off of bread alone, physical food. But he lives off of every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. So if you're really going to get everything that God has during this 21 days of fasting, you're going to have to stretch. Instead of eating lunch, get into the word of God so that your soul could be fed this year. Psalm 34 verse 8 says this, taste and see that the Lord is good. Oh, the joys of those who take refuge in him. During this fast, God is calling you to taste and see. Partake in his goodness as you take refuge in him during this fast. The name of the title of this message is called Wine and Dine. I have a teaching anointing on me this morning. Is it okay if I teach? I don't got to run around and yell this morning, right? I'm going to teach this morning. Cool. Wine and Dine. God wants to wine and to pass. Are you serious? I can't eat. What do you mean wine and dine? Ah to help you. Fasting is a response to an invitation. Point number one, I got four today. Fasting is a response to an invitation. Just recently, I was invited by a friend uh, out near Columbia. He's a pastor of a pretty awesome church in that area, and um, he said, hey, I want to I want to share some things with you and some other fellow pastors that we've been doing successfully. You guys just started. I just want to share share these principles with you. So we get there and we spend about four hours together. This stuff is rich content, stuff that we're going to actually implement at the church here within the next few months. Not only that, not only is he giving us knowledge and wisdom, he's giving us um, he bought us lunch. He bought us lunch. This chicken was amazing. Um, it was some type of Spanish rice. That's my wife does. She know how to fix it. And it was amazing. And then he ends the day off by giving us all gift cards. And I leave and I open it up and it's like $100 or something. And it's amazing. So he invites me. He teaches me. He feeds me. And he gives me a gift card. It was all based on how I responded to the invitation. It was only three or four of us there in the room, but he saw fit for me to be there. When God is calling you into a season or when he's exposing you to teaching our church like this, that's actually doing something like this, you're not in this room by chance. You didn't decide to get up in 12-degree weather. It feels like a zero or negative one. and just end up in church. You're here because God called you here today because he's actually inviting you into an experience with him this year that you've probably never have encountered before. And so it's a response to an invitation. The word fast, here we go, means to cover the mouth. Cover the mouth. And for those of you that have been with me for some time, take notes. If you're going to continue to be with me, you're going to learn this every year in January. <laughs> it means to cover the mouth. Just a little simplicity. What's the first meal of the day? Water. Breakfast. <laughs> Breakfast. It's a compound word. So if you put a dash between the two words, you have break fast. Why? Because you went to bed at 11 p.m., you woke up at 7 a.m., You ate breakfast at 8 a.m. You were fasting while you were sleeping because your mouth was covered. Break fast. Now, biblical fasting is to abstain from food in order to draw closer to God. Biblical fasting is to deny oneself food in order to draw closer to God. It's breaking your routine. It's decluttering, detoxing how do I respond to this invitation? There are a few ways. Number one, you can do what's called a full fast. A full fast is no water, no juice, no food. I guess that explains our response to that. will <clears throat> will be doing that pastor. <clears throat> um, Or you can do a liquid fast. This is water or juice. Another way you can respond to this invitation is through what's called the Daniel fast. You'll find it in Daniel chapter 10. The Daniel fast is what the Bible calls pulse. But for modern day translations, it's water, fruit juice, vegetables, and fruit. Uh, Another fast is time-based. It's called the partial fast. You can actually do a full liquid fast or a Daniel fast from 6 a.m. to 3 p.m. And then you can eat normally after 3 p.m. It's all in how you pray about it. Pray about it. What would what be a stretch for you? Maybe for you it's no meats but everything else. No meats is a stretch for you. Maybe for you it's no sweets. Maybe no bread. Maybe no meat, sweets, or bread. But whatever it is, This thing is a relationship between you and the Father. What is going to call you to stretch your faith and to actually tap into him during these 21 days? What's going to cause you to be uncomfortable? What are you going to sacrifice? Jeremiah 29, 13 through 14, the message says this. When you come looking for me, you'll find me. Yes, when you get serious about finding me and want it more than anything else, I'll make sure you won't be disappointed. This is God's promise. Some of you have never fasted before, but you've been seeking God in some areas. He's promised that if you get serious over the next 21 days, you will find me in the places that you're seeking me. Okay? Like I said, I'm teaching, plus I'm trying to to press through. All right. The type of fast doesn't matter. It's the desire in your heart to draw near to God that matters. That's what he requires. That's what he's going to reward. This is an invitation for you to receive what God wants to release. Later, we're going to talk about major decisions and how our generation makes too many major decisions without seeking the counsel of the spirit of God. And what looks like an opportunity is actually an obstacle that we can't overcome. And we could have avoided that obstacle had we just fasted and prayed about it. Number two, fasting is a response to an expectation. Fasting is a response to an expectation. You know, you don't invite anyone to a wedding that you don't expect to come or a party, if I invited you, you better come. You better come with a gift (laughs) in your hand, right? Um, Like you expect to get paid however often you get paid. But there's a greater expectation that is already in place before you actually get paid. That's the expectation of your supervisor upon you to work. Um, My son expects... A brand new video game from time to time. I expect certain things of him before he can receive that video game. Fasting is an expectation from God. Um, It's not a requirement, but it is an expectation. Jesus said this in Matthew 6, 16 uh, through 18. He says, and when you fast, you see that? Not if you fast. For the followers of Jesus. We're not talking to unbelievers right now. We're not talking to, we're talking to the followers of Christ. When you fast. This is an expectation of your Lord that you will eventually, at some point in your life, stop and enter into a season of fasting. He goes on to say this. He says, don't make it obvious as the hypocrites do. For they try to look miserable and disheveled. So people will admire them for their fasting. I tell you the truth that the only reward, that's the only reward that they will get. But when you fast, comb your hair and wash your face, then no one will notice that you are fasting, except your father, who knows what you do in private, and your father, who sees everything, will reward you. Fasting is a private discipline that releases public reward. I'm dropping bombs, and y'all just sitting there like... You want to be blessed. Well, what are you doing in the private so that the blessing of God is actually noticeable on your life? Fasting is a private discipline that releases public reward. So the church is the bride and Jesus is the groom. Theologically, this just means that we believe that Jesus has ascended into heaven. And that we're awaiting his return. And when he returns, he's going to return in his right hand with the reward of eternal life. So for the first century church, not our modern day stuff, but for the first century church, they would have been praying and seeking Jesus and God through fasting and prayer, awaiting his second return, awaiting a reward that the world is going to see. This is what's called the rapture. Uh, There's doctrine in in the church that believes that when Christ returns first, the dead in Christ will rise. So if your grandmother, if if Jesus comes right now, if your grandmother was a believer in Jesus Christ, she's going to rise from her grave. Paul Paul discusses it in Corinthians that whatever's left of her, her bones, her her flesh, her ashes, whatever it is, is going to meet her her spirit, her soul. And and the two will become one and she's going to become a perfect body and she's going to be lifted up into the presence of God. And then it says, secondly, we that are alive, we will be taken up into the presence of God, into heaven. Why did I say all that? Because in the first century church, the only thing that people were doing is working, going to school, being married, doing life, and they were just waiting on Jesus to return. But at the same time, they were defeated. They were slowed down. They had no joy. They had no peace. There was no excitement. There was no vigor. There was nothing. It was just routine. We work and we're waiting. We're going to work and we're going to wait. And a lot of us live in such a way where we're working and we're waiting. We're working and we're waiting. And for my 20s and 30s and and somethings in here, you're going to end up 50, 60, and 70 and like tomorrow, and you're going to be working and waiting Why wait to receive the fullness of God when you get to heaven, when you can access it through fasting and prayer right now? Why wait? Come on. Amen. 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 Why wait? Why wait? You don't have to. I said I said last week that um, I said last week that life isn't perfect, specifically talking for me. But I'm winning. Um, and it, you don't have to be a pastor. You can you can be a single mom. You can be a doctor. You can be a psychiatrist, a secretary. Winning is not what happens on the outside. Winning is what's going on on the inside. It. it It's character, it's it's joy, it's peace, it's waking up every morning comforted by the fact that you have a purpose and a vision that extends beyond next Friday. And the way way you get a a God-given vision is through fasting and prayer. You know, I just want us to win. I want us to win. There are things that we expect from God that we won't lay hold of until we fulfill his expectation of fasting. Prayer is not going to get it all the time. And the sad part about it is most of us don't even pray. We tell somebody about our issues We tell someone that can do nothing about what we want or what we need about our issues. God is saying, stop telling people and start telling me. I'm the only one that can release that in your life. Because the only thing you're doing is you're just, um, you're emotionally letting go. And you're blabbering and you're crying and you're complaining. And that person can do nothing for you but continue to hear your same problems. Your pastor is probably tired of hearing about your same issues. And if I'm your pastor, I'm probably talking to you. <laughs> I, I am tired of hearing your same issues. You know what you need to do? Fast. Don't tell me for 21 more days. I know this is on podcast. Other pastors listen to me at the same, also, and they'll probably listen to this podcast and say, you know what? I'm going to apply that to my ministry. I'm going to say it next Sunday. Don't tell me anything about your issues for the next 21 days if you're not fasting. If you're fasting, I'll hear you out. But Jesus just said here that there is a reward for your life. Fasting is perfect for the hungry. What? Yeah, it's perfect for the hungry. Sounds contradicting, but it's not. Um. Over the past 10 years, I've, I've lost count of the amount of people that I've heard. Hey, man, you know, especially believers like I want to I want to grow to that next level in the Lord. Um, I've tapped out. I don't go to church anymore. Um, you know, I, you know, I want to grow some more. I want to I want to get to that next level in my faith. And then eventually they, they plateau and they, they fall off. And so what I'm hearing when people say I want to grow, what I'm hearing is that you're running on E. You're running on E. You're hungry for more. The Bible says that the Spirit of God searches for the deep things of God. That's in Corinthians. The flesh warreth against the Spirit. If you want God, it's not because you want God. It's because your soul wants more of God. And so when you start saying, man, I just... I want to grow or I've, I've reached a, uh, a maximum or I've, I've kind of tapped out of my growth, you know, or, or for some of you who, who I'm, I'm guilty of it, too. We've grown prideful in a certain season where we're not reading our Bibles. We just think that we, we know it all and, and we got it down and we got God down. You're running on E as well. Yeah. And it's only a matter of time before you fall to something and you know that you, you, you come to understand that I need God in a new way in this season. Okay. And so. People want to grow in their faith. Pretty much they're saying my tank is running on Ian. I'm hungry. Matthew 5, 6 says this. It says you're blessed when you've worked up a good appetite for God. He's food and drink in the best meal you'll ever eat. Have you worked up an appetite for God yet? Have you gotten hungry for the spirit of God, for the will of God, for the power of God in your life yet. The Bible says you're blessed when you're hungry for him. This tells me that I don't need more clothes. I don't need more friends. I don't need a trip or vacation. I don't need a new supervisor. I don't need a new job. What I need is to become hungry for the spirit of God in my life in his fullness. Let's praise God for that. And then this one goes on to say here, Psalm 63, 1. God, you're my God. I can't get enough of you. I've worked up such hunger and thirst for God, traveling across dry and weary deserts. We teach... um, in our super Steps course, that you are not a body. You're not a body with a soul. You're a soul with a body. When God created Adam, he created the body. But that body didn't become quickened, is what the King James would call it. The body didn't have life until God actually breathed in the breath of life. And then he became a living soul. Whenever you're feeling as though, man, life is just dry and you're constantly tired and you're you're annoyed, you're you're burnt out or whatever, that's the perfect season to put a fast on it. There's another fast I didn't mention. It's called the three day fast. This is what I call the conversion fast. If you would fast for three days, you could switch around your situation, switch your emotions, switch your perspective switcher mindset. It's called the three-day fast. It's found in Acts chapter 9. Um, Saul of Tarsus was a persecutor of the church. He killed and he arrested Christians. Jesus came to him and appeared to him in a light and he blinded him and Saul falls off of his horse and he goes blind and for three days Saul is fasting and then he, he, he becomes Paul. It's funny because Saul means high up and Paul means lowly. And so we have 25% of our Bible from a man that used to kill Christians and then became a champion for the cause of Christ. What happened? He had a three-day fast, and it converted him to a world changer. I'm going to send you all to Charlotte, North Carolina. The fourth one, a fast is a time to get personal with God. This is good. Over the past uh, 10 years of fasting, I've gotten quite personal with God about some things. Um, James 4 8 says this uh, Come close to God, and God will come close to you. Wash your hands, you sinners, purify your hearts. For your loyalty is divided between God and the world. I'll be honest; in my notes, I left that last part out. But I thank God that Chris prepared it, because obviously the Word of God will preach itself. But come close to God, and He will come close to you. Um. Yet, just over the past few years. been able to get very personal with God and I don't think being personal with God in prayer is complaining, you know like when we're complaining about someone or something I think when you fast it's the perfect opportunity for you to really let God know what's on your heart what's bothering you and it's the perfect time to ask him for deliverance and a solution in his wisdom. Um, we, um, there, there have been a lot of moments, um, like I always kind of bring it back to my marriage, that my wife and I have had the occasion to give up on ministry, And simply just say, hey, we're just going to live our lives um, and just head to the top. But then we're reminded that great ministry is needed in this generation and that the millennials need to know who Jesus is. With that being said, the Bible describes an enemy. His name is Satan. Satan who's out in the world going to and fro, seeking whom he may devour. And so whenever you want to press in to God's will for your life, there's always going to be an enemy that's there to stop you or slow you down. It's during those seasons that we fasted and we've prayed. And we've gotten real with God. This doesn't make sense. Why do we have to be sick now? Why do we have to be apart from one another now? Why do the finances have to look like this now? We've said yes. What do you want from us? And every single time God has been faithful. I want to give you a little list that you can, uh, when, you, when you get personal with God during this fast, that you can pray about. Um, number one, you can pray for greater revelation. Revelation is that when you read your scripture, uh, There was once a time when you didn't fully understand it. I believe that during your 21-day fast this year that you're going to clearly understand what God is saying when you read your Bible. You're no longer going to run from it. Greater Revelation, Exodus 34, 28 says this. It says, Moses remained there on the mountain with the Lord 40 days and 40 nights. In all that time, he ate no bread, drank no water. And the Lord wrote the terms of the covenant. This is an agreement. The Ten Commandments on stone tablets. So fasting is also a time of isolation. When you get away from the crowd, when you get away from people, when you get away from your normal schedule, and it's a time where God can actually drop revelation into your heart. He can reveal his will, his word in your life. Moses got away for 40 days. We're not saying do 40 days. I don't recommend that. But what I will say is, is that fasting within itself is a time where God can actually speak to you without interruption. And then the way he was able to receive the revelation was he took time to listen. Some of you, the stretch this year is going to be blah, 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 blah. Amen. Some of you, the stretch this year is going to be, Lord Jesus, I love you. Speak to me, blah, 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 blah. For some of you this year, the stretch is going to be being still. You need to be still. Tell my wife last night that during this 21 day fast, unless I'm posting on social media, I am not on social media. Because it's you ain't not reading nothing, just you hit someone's video. It's a minute long. You play it for three seconds. Just whenever you read about your, your heroes in the scripture, you're reading about men and women who knew how to be still. And I, I love David and I love Jesus. And I, do you know that Jesus, the Bible says, often drew to lonely places to pray and to rest so that he could hear from the father? Just constantly moving got to do this job, got to get this raise, got to get this extra money, got to be at this party, got to be at this dinner, got to be at this, got to be at this. uh. And what does it all add up to? What does it all matter at the end of the day? Something's being compromised. Something's being lost. It's a time of greater revelation. You can pray for deliverance. Deliverance. Pornographic Deliverance. Alcohol addiction. Deliverance. Low self esteem. Deliverance. Psychological issues. Deliverance. Bitterness and unforgiveness. Deliverance. Those are chains. Not on the other person, on you. Some of us are lazy. Deliverance. Some of us have no ambition. Deliverance. If you're 20 and you have no ambition. And you may die at 80. What are we doing for the next 60 years? You need deliverance. That's a spirit and you need deliverance. We can pray for healing. Healing. Relational healing. There's someone in your family currently dealing with uh, a terminal ill disease, terminal illness. You can pray for their healing. If you have blood issues, brain issues, heart issues, consult your doctor and see what kind of fast you can go on. Deliverance, healing. Let me go back to deliverance. You need deliverance from sexual promiscuity. The will of God is sex in marriage, not outside of marriage. What is he doing? The church is still small. He's going to lose members. (laughs) I don't care. (laughs) My boss is Jesus. This church is going to grow with or without you. But I love you enough to tell you the truth. It's that thing that's keeping you bound. You'll never be fulfilled. That's what it says, Ms. Sharon. Deliverance. Protection and provision. Ezra 8, 21 through 23. I got about five minutes and I'm gone. And there by the Ahava Canal... I gave orders for all of us to fast and humble ourselves before our God. We prayed that he would give us a safe journey and protect us, our children and our goods as we travel. For I was ashamed to ask the king for soldiers and horsemen to accompany us and protect us from the enemies along the way. After all, we had told the king, our God's hand of protection is on all who worship him, but his fierce anger rages against those who abandon him. So we fasted and earnestly prayed that our God would take care of us and he heard our prayer. Protection and provision. You can pray about major decisions. We talked about that earlier. Major decisions. There were two opportunities that um, I could have taken before starting Highlight Church. Um, Chris, you know this. One in particular was very lucrative. (laughs) And it's all because this individual saw leadership capacity in me. So he was like, hey, stay around for another year. There you go. And um, we fasted and we prayed. I mean, you're talking about benefits. We fasted and we prayed. Because we were more about the obedience and about the blessing that comes from sacrifice than about the ease of something that's going to actually cost you your integrity and your vision. So we fasted and we prayed and God led us. Here, where nothing was, when we could have stayed, been rolling in the dough. Some of you, you'll say, that is foolishness. Well, for those of you that know us and that love us, it was worth it. We obeyed through fasting and prayer. This year, opportunities are going to come your way. But everything good ain't God. And you need to fast and pray before you make that opportunity. Okay? And this is the last one. I say I'm teaching today. I could have yelled and did all that, but last one. Growth and expansion is something you can pray for. And that's just general. Growth and expansion in every area of your life. I love Jesus. He is a... Um, Born in Bethlehem from Nazareth, this small area, you call it whatever you want in Orlando, we probably would have termed it it Pine Hills or Carver Shores or whatever. Um, That wasn't funny. (laughs) Or somewhere in Leesburg, whatever. That's not funny. funny. But whatever. (laughs) I don't want to name any places here because I don't know where people are from, so. (laughs) it's just... You're probably thinking one area in Gaithersburg, but it's nothing compared to Pine Hills. Anyway, sorry. So Jesus is from a place like Nazareth where his disciples actually said, um, what good can come from Nazareth? 29-year-old man, he's about to change the world. He has the weight of the world on, on his shoulders, and he fasts for 40 days and 40 nights. No water, no food. Growth and expansion. You're, you're going to change the world. You're going to die. You're going to resurrect. You're going to become the most famous person to ever live. And so what does he do? He fasts. And then what's the outcome of his fast? Luke four fourteen says this. Then Jesus returned to Galilee filled with the Holy Spirit's power and reports about him spread quickly through the whole region. A fast will take you from being a nobody to being a somebody. In modern history, some of your heroes have fasted. There have been inventions in America um, that have just come to the forefront, that have changed the world. These men and women fasted before they actually hit the market. John D. Rockefeller, oh man, billionaire, billionaire, he fasted, he tied. the first dollar he ever made, he gave a 10% of it to the church, now his, his family is the second richest family in all the world, what, you telling me, an oil CEO and founder, fasted, yeah, he fasted, the power of fasting can take you from being a nobody to being somebody, and if you want growth and expansion in your life, you're going to need to join us. He went in fasting and came out full. This year, hey, pick this up when you leave. This is our 21-day stretch devotional. We're going to have the ladies outside um, for you to sign up. 5.30 a.m. prayer. Yeah. Come on now, clap it up. Yeah. One, of, one of my favorite bishops would be like, ah. Yay, you clapped. Do it. You've tried everything else. Why not say, you know, for the next 20 days, we're going to try. And we don't do it on Sundays. So only Monday through Saturday. Um, let's pray. Let's pray. Father, we love you this morning. We give you all the glory and all the praise. God, thank you for uh, convicting us, God. Thank you for clarity in your word. Thank you, God, that you're calling some of us to do something that we've never done before. And God, I ask that you would meet us at the place of our sacrifice. God, I ask that you would provide strength, that you would answer prayers, and that people would experience you on a personal level during this fast, in ways that they've never experienced you before. God, I'm praying for healing of illness, praying for financial breakthrough. God, I'm praying for deliverance, praying for promotion, that as we seek your face, as we seek your glory, you would grant us these things. In Jesus' name, amen.